everybody. Uh, you joined me, Kevin Stevenson, with I don't care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Okay, we've cleared that up. So today we're going to have a really interesting and, and I think a pretty fun conversation with uh, our guest today. And I've already warned him what I'm going to do. So welcome to I don't care, Dr. Michael Doctor. Yes. It's Dr. Doctor. And I've already told him uh, we may go spies like us, but, you know, uh, I think we'll, we'll just go forego that. So, Dr. Doctor, Mike, great to have you on I Don't Care. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. Hey, really glad to have you. And thanks for being a good sport already. It's going to get worse, I bet. So, uh, uh, so, so, Mike is a practicing pediatric gastroenterologist at Boston Children's Hospital. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that, but uh, the primary reason why Mike is on uh, with me today is to talk about Doc Health and uh, an app that he has uh, he has created. Uh, so, so Mike, let's uh, you know talk a little bit about you first. Tell me, uh, you know, why pediatric uh, gastroenterology, and uh, and then let's get into to what you've developed because it's pretty fascinating. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll try and give you the quick tour. And I, you can imagine with a name like this that I didn't really have much of a choice in life. So here I am, a doctor uh, with the last name doctor. But um, yeah, certainly Spies Like Us was a, a, a home favorite, as you might imagine. Um, so I, you know, long story short, I went into pediatric gastroenterology because uh, my sister was sick uh, when I was around 10 in the hospital with a GI illness and a, uh, a magical gastroenterologist floated down from New York City and diagnosed her and ultimately saved her. And, hmm. um, you know, I, this is one of those things that, you know, hindsight 2020, uh, I followed her along with this uh, gastroenterologist, Dr. Keith Bankov out of New York City. And um, he just uh, it totally amazed me at how he you know, helped my sister. And at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal, but it really implanted on me. And, and that was the sort of path that I chose. And, and I ended up working with him, um, you know, uh, and followed very closely sort of the work that he did in, in taking care of children with Crohn's and colitis specifically. So that's, that was super interesting. That's um, very cool. As far as how I landed here, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know how long this podcast is, but it's... Uh, uh, we'll make it as long as you want. <laughs> um, we, so I, I had some downtime in um, my gastroenterology fellowship where I spent time in the lab. And it was right around the dawn of the app store. Um, and I was a techie, which, um, you know, just meant I liked to play with technology. And if there was a gadget for uh, a, a mundane task, my wife always... Um, you know, uh, jokes that if, you know, there's a, a mechanical sponge that I could use to do the dishes, I'd be more than happy to do that. And, and so, you know, I've just always been tech minded. And, um, you know, I, I really just became enamored with the app store and the concept that you could build these sort of little, you know, uh, businesses and, and, you know, ideas very cheaply and efficiently and, mm -hmm. and deploy it. And at the time I, uh, I got together with some um, engineers, we built a potty training app, which as a, you know, I was a new dad and I was a practicing pediatric gastroenterologist. It was the perfect entree into the app store. And yeah. where were I you came. 30 years ago for me? I mean, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, um, you know, it paid for lunch every day, but it more than anything, it really educated me on the process of design and user interfaces and user experiences. And mm -hmm. I just really got bitten by the bug. And then I started asking the questions in, in Boston Children's Hospital, but where I was uh, training and ultimately practicing, 
Um, you know, how come we're not using these tools like these mobile phones that are sitting in our pockets for all the power that they have? And we're, you know, still carrying around a pager and mm-hmm. um, we have these electronic health records that are really poorly designed. Um, and I, you know, I, I basically made jobs for myself at, at Children's. And one of them was working in the um, informatics program as the mobile evangelist. And so I, I brought in secure messaging and I, I brought in some other sort of clinician facing mobile tools. Um, and also, as, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, became the clinical director of innovation. So I was the innovative, you know, clinician who really mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to help other clinicians, you know, understand this world and hopefully help them turn their ideas into something like an app, uh, bring in solutions from outside potentially and make sure that they, you know, fit in the world of pediatrics. Um, and along the way, I, I realized that I was using these tools in my, my world of innovation, like uh, software, uh, project management tools, and task management tools. And th- it brought this wonderful clarity of purpose and accountability and visibility into a, a process, whether it was a software development project or it was you know, another sort of technology um, project. And that, didn't, that concept didn't exist in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was as a pediatric DI, I was struggling with managing all the clinical tasks for my patients. And trying to find a system and a process to actually capture it all and ultimately delegate tasks where possible to my, my colleagues uh, and work together as a team. And we used like really cobbled together poor tools, like, you know, a little black notebook with chicken scratch yeah. on it, or, you know, the electronic health record in basket, which is really like AOL email from, you know, the late nineties. So, you know, we, I had the right uh, connections and resources and ultimately we, put together what is now Doc Health, which is a HIPAA compliant task management, you know, workflow tool for healthcare teams. Um, and we ultimately spun out the company about a year and a quarter, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we raised a seed round of financing from August Capital and the amazing David Hornick um, and uh, are now off to the races and just learning a ton in, in the market about where we can you know, add value and, and hopefully help teams work better together. Gosh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, so it sounds like this app, yeah, it goes up and down the spectrum all the way from the scheduler to the physician and beyond. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the users within the app. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's this concept. So the electronic health records are wonderful and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they serve their purpose. Uh, They're very clinically oriented. And what we, our observation is that there is this whole other half of healthcare, uh, the administrative and operational component of healthcare. Yeah. (laughs) That that really, you know, is, is ignored sadly. Um, And, you know, the the example I always give is, you know, I I would prescribe a patient um, a biologic therapy for their Crohn's disease. Um, Mm -hmm. And all I had to do was place an order in the electronic health record. But what isn't captured and what isn't really you know, structured or you know, has any accountability around is there a 37 downstream tasks, you know, calling families, filling out form, getting insurance approvals, you know, million different stakeholders and you know, many crossed paths um, that has no accountability, has no structure, has no visibility into where the process is in flight. So that was always my pain point was I'd place the order and then I'd wonder, for two weeks, like when is the patient going to show up and is everything done? Yeah. And, you know, not all the time, but not infrequently, the patient would have to get like sent home because we forgot one of those steps. And that was poor care, you know, bad outcomes. Um, it, it didn't feel like I was doing my best work. And so that was the sort of structure and accountability that we wanted to create. So uh, the intent is to create 
structure and process for workflow. So in, in this in this example, it's mm -hmm. let's create the set of tasks for each individual or team of people for getting a patient from the clinic where they're prescribed an infusion to the actual infusion center. Okay. And that's, this is a complex example, but you know the, the common example is just getting a new patient into a practice, you know, making sure their HIPAA form is signed, making mm -hmm. sure that insurance approval is done, making sure we've got all the medical records from the outside facilities, uh, making sure that we've set up follow-up and, you know, all the sort of associated to-dos or clinical tasks that really they're, they're not codified anywhere. They're not structured. Mm -hmm. No one's accountable to it. And, and because of that, we don't learn anything from the process. We don't know where our bottlenecks and inefficiencies are. So it, the intent is for everyone to be on it, but ultimately it's the clinicians often creating a process or kicking off a process. Um, and, and the administrative folks who are otherwise doing this work now doing it in a way that they can actually capture what they've done. Everyone's on the same page. We have you know, visibility. And over time, we want to automate more and more of that and understand how we can you know, predict where the bottlenecks are going to be. See, this is great. And talk about timely. I had a, a meeting today with my cath lab manager and my CV director, and we're talking about improving our throughput here at my hospital. And as you're talking about this whole process, I, you know, I'm like, where can I get your app? Because that's exactly what, what you know, the types of things that we're talking about. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that your app is just totally customizable to any specialty any physician practice pattern, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. So, you know, first and foremost, I would say, you know, uh, the experience that you're now having, which is like, oh, wow, I didn't know that existed. And that's exactly what we need. Yeah. That's, that's the sort of amazing thing about the state of healthcare right now is that like the concept of workflow management or task management mm -hmm. does not exist in healthcare. Right. So everyone thinks the HR does this. And, you know, our job now is really educating the, the world on, this is, you know, this has transformed other industries. Like the, mm -hmm. it's indisputable. So how do we bring this sort of concept into healthcare? And of course, build it with the nuances and challenges of a cath lab or whatever it may be. Sure. But it is fully customizable and we work closely with organizations to figure out, you know, everyone's got their process maps, either it's in their head, mm -hmm. often it's laminated on a sheet with a thumbtack somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, or maybe it's in, you know, one of the QI offices or, um, you know, process improvement offices that are trying to put some structure around it or workflow diagram. We can take that workflow, whether it's in your head or laminated on the sheet and turn it into a set of actionable tasks and work with the team to figure out who's responsible for what, what does an ideal workflow look like? And then we put it into action and we can integrate it with electronic health records um, or not, if it's, um, if it's a small practice and they may not mm -hmm. want to do that. Um, and, you know, increasingly over time, what we want to do and what we're already doing is, you know, how do we take, you know, this sort of ideal workflow, create a best practice for your organization? And then how do we automate some of these key pieces so that when, you know, a patient gets booked in the cath lab, we set off that cascade of mm -hmm. to-dos for the team and then when you want to go in and say, well, where are we at with that process? You can go in and see, wow, we're step three of seven through this process. And you have visibility into the, the process of an organization. And then we can look at the data and say, okay, this is stuff that we've never captured before. But wow, it's taking us three weeks to go from a request to a schedule uh, wow. of a cath patient. Now we can refine our process. Man, that is just, well, I, I, like I said, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you know, how can we use this same process? So 
So you got seed funding last year. You know, how many users do you have right now? I'm sure you're still in your infancy, obviously, but. Uh, well, we now have a couple dozen practices that are okay. on. We've got, we've got a whole bunch in the pipeline. We're working on some enterprise opportunities. We now have um, uh, an API available to allow other organizations to integrate easily and automate bi-directionally. Um, so, you know, we're still early days here, uh, but, yeah. you know, uh, what's exciting is that each of these, you know, you know, a couple dozen practices that we have are different and they're teaching us mm -hmm. uh, all the nuances of mental health, uh, you know, internal medicine, pediatrics, dentistry, uh, plastic surgery, you know, really, we're just beginning to establish these sort of best practices and understandings of what the unique uh, nuances of each of these organizations and, and sort of workflows are. So we just launched just literally like a month ago, launched our workflow library and we're beginning to fill out that content from, mm -hmm. you know, all the learnings that we have uh, in the real world. That, that's, that's just really fascinating because, you know, you bring up your workflow library. I would assume that that could certainly, you know, that would benefit a, a number of practices out there who, you know, just might be overwhelmed with trying to figure out their own workflow inefficiencies. Yeah, it's, um, you know, what we're trying to do is, you know, I was on the receiving end as a, uh, you know, provider in a large mm -hmm. organization of the one size fits all, you know, like, yeah, cool. And that's, that's sort of how healthcare works is, you know, they say, okay, here's the new solution that we just bought for everyone. And <laughs> good luck. And, you know, I, that very much uh, rubs up against sort of our mantra, which is like, let people customize things exactly how they need to do it for their workflows and their teams and their structure and, and even, you know, the, the tools that they actually use. Um, but we want to give them a running start. We want to give them a template to work from so that mm -hmm. they can at least understand what the potential is. Uh, and again, we walk, work with organizations to figure out what exactly what their needs are. But um, our intent over time is really to build out a library of content that gives people a running start um, okay. so that they can understand the potential. And then, of course, we you know, massage it around the edges to figure out exactly how it works for this organization with this EHR, with this set of automations or this other sort of tools that we're trying to integrate with. So. Okay, so so it, let's just take for example a small uh, primary care practice. What does the design and implementation timeline look like for for a practice from when they engage with you guys to when they can go live? Yeah, yeah, it's usually about five minutes. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm all kidding aside. So our our intent was really to build a tool for healthcare that was really in the image of consumer-like experiences. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a tool that uh, we used to do self-service and it worked well, but we want to, you know, hold people's hands more and, and we find that that's a better experience. So, um, you know, literally we do a 30 minute like initial call to understand sort of the needs of an organization. Mm -hmm. We'll create their accounts and they're, you know, they're using it within a couple minutes. Wow. Okay. Um, and then what we will often do is a follow-up call, you know, a couple, two, three days later to really start getting into the weeds of, okay, what are the pain points or the thorny workflows that you're trying to, to fix? And we'll help them design it. And again, it's really meant to be super intuitive. So anyone can figure it out on their own. And frankly, they do. Okay. And then, you know, within the first week, we'd like to, you know, work on uh, ensuring, you know, are there integrations that matter to, the, to you? You know, are there um, automations that you want us to do? So we work on 
like automating email so that if a specific email comes into your inbox, uh, the classic one is the form that gets filled out on the website for a new patient request. Mm -hmm. That usually people are having to go into their email account, um, find that email from the form that got filled out on the website, transcribe it to a post-it note and stick it on their desktop. And we just automate that email so that when a new patient request comes in, it moves into the new patient request list in Doc Health that gets assigned to the right person at the front mm -hmm. desk. And we automatically put a due date of three days from now. Yeah. So, you know, we, so process automation, I think is, is key. And again, it's, it's all meant to be super lightweight and really easy and choose your own adventure. So people can, you know, we try and spend most of our time just educating them on the potential and the possibilities. And then they do a lot of designing on their own and we just support them along the way. See, that's, that's incredible. You know, that, that you've designed a tool that, that somebody can continually tweak for their needs at that time. And, and you've made it easy enough to, for them to be able to do it. So that's, the well, that, that's very cool. So what's next? What are you going to develop next? What's the next big idea? Yeah, well, the next big thing is really, you know, we've now built what I think is a really amazing foundation of a workflow management tool for healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I don't mean this to be silly, but we can put ourselves up in comparison to the publicly traded companies that are out there, Asana and Trello and um, yeah, tools like that. So that, that feels great. Um, mm -hmm. But it is part of it is educating the market. Uh, but our intent over time is really to increasingly go deep in healthcare, which is our, you know, our core and our, our passion. Um, and so that means, you know, integrating with more and more of the systems that matter to folks, whether it's EHRs uh, or other systems like, you know, DocuSign and mm -hmm. other sort of uh, forum generators that are out there, uh, you know, secure messaging tools and um, patient engagement tools. So we can create these sort of workflows and simply kick off the right action to the right system. We don't intend to build any of those things ourselves necessarily, but really just integrate and be this hub for that other half of healthcare I talked about. So it's really, you know, more and more about the integrations and automations that make, you know, less work for folks. Okay. Interesting. So, so tell, tell my audience a little bit about the innovation and digital health accelerator. It just sounds fascinating that, that the hospital has, has supported something like that. Yeah, it was a, an amazing place uh, where I kind of got my start in innovation. So you know, Boston Children's Hospital has long been a innovative place and, mm -hmm. you know, probably close to 10 years ago, uh, they, they had their first chief innovation officer, Naomi Freed. Um, and she you know, started a very small group uh, to really help clinicians that had ideas or research projects um, build out little solutions, whether it was electronic health record related tools or, you know, increasingly apps, because that was sort of the, the dawn of the app store. Mm -hmm. um, and that program just continued to grow and develop, uh, ultimately uh, changed hands uh, to John Brownstein, who's a good friend and an amazingly innovative guy himself. Um, and I, you know, became the clinical director there probably seven, eight years ago. Uh, and, and really just, you know, the intent was bringing in solutions from the outside, again, the mm -hmm. consumer tools in some cases, uh, in other cases, you know, healthcare startups and established companies, you know, um, try to apply those solutions to pediatrics. And then in other cases, in, in, in the case of Doc Health, you know, take great ideas, you know, incubate them and accelerate them internally and then spin them out where appropriate if there's a sustainable business model yeah. in place. Um, and so, you know, I was part of, you know, the clinical sort of validation of 
a lot of these solutions both coming in and spinning out. And, and you know, it was a great fertile, fertile testbed and opportunity to build out something. And so Doc Health was, I hope, a shining example of what's possible. From yeah, that's, that's really, it's really cool because, you know, we're here, I'm here in Central, Central Texas, and we've got Baylor University nearby, and they do that for a number of businesses and are entering the, the healthcare field yeah. uh, because kind of like you, a number of physicians in the area have great ideas, but really don't know how to operationalize those. Yeah. And so, but to have a hospital be that forward thinking 10 years ago is just, is just yeah, and we're really uh, innovative in and of itself across healthcare, but certainly the first uh, pediatric innovation program. Yeah. And you guys have things like, you know, TMCX over there, which is a mm -hmm. great program that's, um, you know, really growing rapidly. Okay. So, so just curious, how much time do you get to spend with uh, Doc Health and some of your other innovative ideas versus your actual medical practice? Yeah, that's a good question. So when we spun out the company about, you know, it was February of last year, which is, you know, fascinating timing. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> that was, um, you know, uh, meant to be, I suppose. Um, so I, I really left the bulk of my work at Boston Children's apart from a little clinical time. And I, it's funny enough, because I was I'd like to think somewhat innovative. I was already practicing telemedicine before the pandemic hit. I had been doing it for 10 years and I've been trying to convince people why it's a great you know, tool uh, for patient care and for providers. And uh, so with the pandemic, I, I sort of stepped away from most of my you know, clinical, sorry, non-clinical roles at Boston Children's mm -hmm. and went full-time at doc. So to directly answer the question, I've been full-time at doc for the last you know, year and a half almost Okay. Um, and I do a couple of clinical sessions a month. I didn't had a nice clinic yesterday where I got to see some of my old patients. So I, I keep enough to keep my finger on the pulse, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I get to continue to take care of my Crohn's and colitis patients whom I've cared for now for you know, 12, 13 years. And that's awesome. Uh, and, you know, I continue to um, have an understanding of what we're building because I, I feel the pain on a regular basis and mm -hmm. uh, I get to leverage my own tool, which is exciting. Yeah, I would imagine. So, so are, are you able to to spend a lot of time going around the country evangelizing not only Doc Health but just physician innovation in itself? Yeah, increasingly. Although you know, it's mostly been around the country virtually. Over yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's. Um, I spent a lot of time, particularly in my earlier years as the um, yeah clinical director of innovation, and I, I co-founded a group called Hacking Pediatrics, which was a a pediatric focused hackathon. So I spent a lot of time and I, I hope to do more and more over time um, evangelizing the concept of clinicians being innovators and ultimately entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I have to say for the last year, I've been really focused on doc. As you should be, because it's like I said, it's such a it's such a great idea. So so, Mike, any final words before we sign off here? Uh, no, first of all, thank you so much for this opportunity and for letting me just run my mouth for a bit. Um, if anyone is interested or if you specifically are interested, you can yeah. learn more at uh, doc.health and we'd love to give you a demo and uh, show people how it might work in their world. So that you. sounds great. I'll be honest with you, I already went to the website. So, okay. you know, we, we may be talking again really soon. So, you know where so to find me. That's great. Dr. Mike Doctor, I know, but you know what? Mike has, Mike has come up with some great ideas and I'm really excited to hear more about Doc Health in the future. And, and we're going to be talking to you again. I am certain of that. So, Thanks. 
anyway, Sorry. thanks again for being on. Uh, I don't care. Appreciate so, it. Uh, uh, guys, we're, we're wrapping up for another episode of I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Uh, you know how to find us. Uh, we're on marketscale.com uh, every Friday. Uh, and if you don't catch the live version, then you can download us on Spotify and iTunes. And I'll end today like I always end. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson yet, why haven't you? So with that, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend.